0: Welcome to episode two of the Sky Jody podcast. It's only been 11 months since the debut episode, so I figured it was about time for a new podcast. Uh, But in all seriousness, no, we had some trouble getting populated into Apple podcasts. It's quite a process. And since 90% of the country uses an Apple product, I thought it was important uh, to wait until we were uh, being able to be distributed through that. And then the pandemic hit, uh, but it takes Iowa State going eight and one in the Big 12 and making their first ever championship game appearance in football to kickstart the pot. And that's what we're doing today. Today, you're going to hear my conversation with childhood and lifelong friend, Nate Lenzer. Nate and I have a long history of Iowa State football together. We grew up going to games uh, together and starting in the 1980s. Nate uh, and I both went to Southdale here in Cedar Falls. We both went to NU High and then we both went to Iowa State together, our ways, uh, our separate ways. After that, Nate has coached a variety of different places, both at the high school, college, and uh, most recently in the NBA for the Chicago Bulls. None of that's important because what we're really here to talk about is Iowa State football. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Nate Lenzer. On today with Nate Lenzer, childhood friend lifelong friend and and uh somebody who's been kicked in the groin with iowa state football just as many times as i have so nate thank you for joining us today
1: absolutely my pleasure
0: we're going to dive right in nate paint a picture for everybody on uh your family's history with iowa state football how long season tickets um things like that with your parents
1: so both of my parents met at iowa state uh I was born and raised in Cedar Falls, uh, but obviously their journey started together in Ames. Um, they started going to Iowa State football games when they were in college and even into uh, grad school and things like that. They, they started getting season football tickets in 75 when uh, Jack Trice was open. Uh, and part of the deal was they were they were really trying to get um, people to be interested in, uh you know they just built a stadium they needed uh season ticket holders so one of their perks was if you get season tickets now we will never meet you or never move you so um i'm born in 79 so by the time i come around and start taking an interest my my parents are already knee-deep in being iowa state fans for life and uh that's how my journey started is uh they had three season tickets uh they were on roughly the 35-yard line. At the time, it was the opposing sideline. And uh, Section 6, I believe, row 7-ish on the aisle, because my mother loves to be on the aisle, and three tickets, and we would make the track from uh, Cedar Falls to to Ames um, every Saturday, and and that's how it kind of all started for me.
0: So that's the home side now, though, right?
1: That is yes, that has turned into the home
0: side exactly. So, so it flipped. So similar uh, start for myself. My parents met at Iowa State as well. My dad graduated in 1970 from Iowa State and then got a master's in '73, and then went away and came back. and I don't think he had season tickets until later on in the wow. '70s. Um, but then I probably started going in 19, I think 1985 or 86 is probably when I started going religiously with my parents. We had three three seats as well. Um, and that's one thing that, that I thought about today is, you know, our parents, when they were younger, they had 1971, they had 77, they had 78. Iowa State was eight and three in the regular season, each of those three years. And then, you know, kind of wheels fell off. But they had some pretty good years there in the 70s where we didn't get anything (laughs) until the year 2000. There was a lot of misery there um, in in the 80s and early 90s when we went. I want to ask, what's your earliest memory, whether it's a year or a game? Do you remember anything specific about your earliest experience? Well,
1: the first thing I'll begin with is that my parents always talked about the golden days in the in the 70s whether it was donnie duncan or earl bruce and how they had gone to the bowl games and to be honest with you i believe in when i was born in 79 i was a january birthday that might have been like the hall of fame bowl in 79 from the 78 season and they actually missed that game because i was pregnant so i when i got old enough to realize what was going on uh, I started to wonder if I was the curse for Iowa State football um, because because even though I loved uh, Iowa State, I was obviously born into an Iowa State family. I mean, winning was not something that I that I really got to uh, – that I associated with Iowa State football. It was more stopping at Eldora and getting um, a Casey's Pizza or a breaking up the trip, you know hearing the marching band or, or whatever it may be seeing the colors seeing the new scoreboard whatever that may be but to answer your question um you know about the same thing probably i was five or six i i re, i remember just flashes and i don't even know if they're chronologically in order i remember losing to drake uh, at home and thinking that wasn't a good thing
0: <laughs> i think that was 1986
1: I remember Brian Bosworth eating a hot dog in front of me uh because we were on the opposing sideline and we were getting um beat rather 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 abrupt by a lot obviously Soundly. he was eating a, he was eating a hot dog in front of us um I remember the cannon um going off at an early age I remember uh vividly Oranges being thrown on the field um, whenever there was a touchdown, but it being so bad against like Nebraska and Oklahoma that if we got a first down, they would throw oranges on the field because back in the day, the oranges were to signify we were going to the, the orange bowl. Cause that's what the big eight champion did. Um those are probably some of my, my biggest recollections. Um, I, I do remember, um, you know, Visha was going on, obviously it was, it was, was a bigger deal and and so uh the spring game was a was a great opportunity to get autographs and and meet players and I do remember um my dad for my birthday, probably when I was five years old, gave me an Iowa state helmet uh, but it was actually a Green bay Packer helmet that he had st- stripped off the uh logos on and he had custom made it he bought a uh Iowa state logo uh the old um god this would have probably been the Kreiner era um Maybe it bled into Walden, but it was the uh, the Iowa State over the uh, the tornado, yep. and he put red tape on the uh, on the helmet. So I thought that was the coolest thing. And then that spring game, that that spring, I got Jeff Braswell's autograph on the uh, on the, the front of the helmet, and I just remember being distraught because that fall, so this had to be I believe the Kreiner era. You know, Braswell was supposed to be one of the captains, but I think he took uh, whether the 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 saying goes that he, one of the coaches bought Burger King or something like it for him, so he was he was suspended maybe for the whole season. And I was just so distraught because I wanted to see number 51, Jeff Braswell, because I met him in the spring, and then he didn't play, and that was a tough-to-take as probably a kindergartner or first-grader.
0: Well, the, the Drake okay. game you referenced – it was 1985. They're coming off a 57 to three beatdown from Iowa. They start the year two and zero. They get killed by Iowa. Then they host Drake, which I do not remember this. This is when I was eight years old. So you would have been six or seven. And they lose to Drake at home, twenty to seventeen. They they finish the year in '85, five and six. Which if you you know if you go six and five, most likely you probably go to a bowl game, maybe. Uh, but they lose to Drake. And uh, it's funny you bring up the bowl game curse because. 2017, my brother and I, with, with his son Chase and my son Jack, we went to the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. And somewhere on the drive, the nine-hour drive down there, Jack says to me, "You know, Dad, did you, you know, did you go to bowl games when, when you were my age with your dad? And I said, buddy, they went to a bowl game in 1978. I was one year I was one years old. And they didn't go to another one until I was 22, uh, yep. or 23 years old. And he's like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, they they went literally 22 or 23 years in a row without a bowl game." He, the look on his face was was priceless. The the thing that I remember the most about those those early years was, you know, we would obviously play football on the hillside, and uh, we would con people into me and you getting on the same team, and that was really the highlight because the score was was never in question the wrong way. So we played football on the hillside. I remember I was telling Jack this at the game uh, on Saturday, there was nobody at the game. You know, there were 15,000 fans at the West Virginia game Saturday, and that was about, you know, a a mid-November attendance back in those days. So you and I would just – we would bounce around and sit wherever we wanted to, and as long as we got back to our parents by the end of the game, they didn't seem to mind. We'd sit in the top row of the 50-yard line. We'd go down low. We'd move around about every, every drive and just sit wherever we wanted to. Yeah, it
1: was pretty much clockwork. What what people don't know is that we actually grew up what two blocks away from each other. I mean not even really a block A away. block
0: away, yeah. And we
1: probably, and we spent more time together even though we went to the same elementary school because we were a year older and things like that and recess that you don't play, you know, football in the same grade level usually, you know, you're yep. you're split up by grade level. So we spent more time together at Jack Trice on Saturday than we did throughout the week. Um in Cedar Falls, but it was like clockwork, go to the game, check out the first quarter, and then uh, uh, usually that wasn't going well or even if it was, if, you know, then there was the excitement of seeing you and we could talk about maybe we were going to be hanging in there for a while, but were right. on the first quarter, I'd, I'd, I'd come over to your seats and then we'd, we'd just kind of make it an event the rest of the, uh, the afternoon.
0: And those – back in those days, and this is what some of the younger fans, even the, the fans that are, you know, 25, 30, 35 years old is – Back in those days, the games weren't on TV because Iowa State wasn't any good. They played at one o'clock every Saturday when they were at home. It wasn't on TV. So if you wanted to watch the game, if you were an Iowa State fan, you were curious what, what their offense was like or what their uniforms looked like, you had to physically go to the game because it wasn't on TV. And then we would listen to the games on the radio. But a lot of those road games, unless they were playing Oklahoma or Nebraska, they weren't on TV either
1: you're you're again i have these flashes so you remember these you you know these dates better than i do i do one of my earlier recollections is for some reason i believe we played oklahoma in a night game and uh and they put in the portable lights so i remember like a flash of that i remember that you know and and also circling back i believe that five and six year this is one of my earlier recollections too is it's either that year or the year after we had high expectations Chris. I think Peterson was the quarterback number five. We had Blaze Bryant who I named my dog after, who lived to be twenty one years old. And they went up to Minnesota and my, my dad took me up to that game and we there was a lot of great expectations for us and we go up there and I think both of them have ankle injuries or some sort of injury that really derailed our season. So that was kinda to your point to your intro of the kick of the groin. That was you know, that was pretty typical of how things kinda went. If there were expectations they were pretty quickly snuffed out it felt like
0: no doubt exactly I, I was looking at some old stuff and uh you know 1989 that was the year you're referencing but in 1989 iowa state goes six and five and i remember thinking you know we, they'd never been to a, a bowl game in in my lifetime that i that i And i was so excited i was 12 years old which ironically is the age of my son right now and they win their last three games of the row they beat kansas state they win at missouri they win at okie state to go six and five and i'm thinking you know back in those days it was like one of the worst bowls was like the blue bonnet bowl, and I remember thinking we're we're six and five, we're going to the blue bonnet bowl and in a an, in a typical Iowa State groin kick, they didn't even go to a bowl game that year, there were so few bowls back then, I think there were only fifteen or twenty bowls. they didn't even get invited
1: yeah, there was too many. there was too many people that either that were bowl eligible yeah, to your point like the the supply and the demand was much different back then. it was not guaranteed that you were going, and now, as you know sometimes. Six and six makes it, or yep. even I've seen you know, teams that aren't don't have a winning record. So it was it was a huge deal to get to a bowl game, and it was something that you and I we always our bowl games were 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 cheering for other teams. It felt like
0: one of the things that it, it's hard for people to kind of wrap their arms around. I think is there's lots of my friends who they root for Iowa. They're Iowa fans, but when Iowa State's playing, they'll root for they'll root for Iowa State. And when I don't do that, they often ask me, why Why do you cheer? Why, why don't you like Iowa, too? I don't cheer when, when they're not playing each other? And I try to paint a picture for them, like what we grew up with, going to uh, Southdale in Cedar Falls. And back in those days, nowadays, there's there's Iowa State fans all over Cedar Falls. Back in the mid-'80s, there weren't. There were two, and it was Nate and Adam. That's it, and our parents. Um, but then we were the only two at this entire elementary school that even fathomed rooting for Iowa State. And back then, Iowa was, you know, at times number one in the country and, and really good. We, we, I mean, I, I can't speak for you, but I got made fun of for being an Iowa State game. Heck, in 1988, uh, Iowa won 10-3. to 3, And that was like a win. Like, I considered that a win. Um, and I was heckled and made fun of for being an Iowa State fan. And it's all I knew because our, my dad had gone to school there and I went, went to games every single Saturday. And that... <laughs> It wasn't – nobody said the word bullying back then, but that's what it was. And it kind of scarred me. And to this day, I can't root for Iowa. I really wish I could. I really wish I was somebody who could cheer for them when they weren't playing Iowa State, but I can't. And that's not going to change because I'm 43 years old. What, what are your thoughts on going through that?
1: Well, the best example I can give is um, my parents had uh, gotten these season tickets their whole life. And and they are not, you know, the hard working typical uh not like high booster, high donor. I brought up the example of the season tickets because they're actually in a in a place, their tickets are a place where they could not afford it if they had to give the proper donations that even be considered yep. for the seats that they're in now, but they're grandfathered in. So um but the the Everything that we did going to the game centered around the ticket. There was no fluff afterwards. We ate before and after the game. There was no concessions. There was no nothing. So you go buy the merchandise stuff. Were there stuff that I absolutely wanted to get? No question. Uh, but, but that was not even an option. Well, for some reason, I don't know if it was tied to some sort of reward or birthday or whatever, One year I finally got one of those multicolored rubber Iowa State footballs uh, that a lot of kids our age grew up with that, you know, the rubber, they had the, the laces were red, they had the, the sigh on the side of it, and they were yellow with the red seams or whatever. So, and, and I remember getting that, and everybody on the hillside had those, as you know, so we always got to play with those, but to have one of my own was like the biggest thing. So, and then I'll never forget, um, getting that ball, being so excited on a Saturday, and then going to recess on Monday and uh, and wanting to play with that football in the, in the grade school recess football game because it was usually an Iowa ball or perhaps a Michigan ball. And this was the first time where there was an Iowa State ball, and it was bright, it was colorful, I was so excited. And I kid you not, uh, I bring my ball out, one of my friends says at the time, not really a friend, says, throw it here. He gets it, and as you know, Southdale's roof is flat, and it was a big issue when the ball went on the roof, you would lose it well he chucked my ball right on the roof and said we're not playing with that ball and and i'm probably if i'm third grade fourth fifth doesn't matter but like to your point i, I if that's not bullying i don't know what right. is uh i mean and that was and there was there was no defense whatsoever from any other kid that way and it wasn't like i was some unpopular kid or something like that it was just it was taboo and and i uh you grow up in Cedar Falls and it's university of Northern Iowa and university of Northern Iowa has a, a great football team with the Mudra days and Terry Allen and all that. Iowa is rocking and rolling and, and your team is, is just, is the laughing you know, stock. We were, we were, we, we were, we were, we were not even considered to be on Warburger or central colleges level, much less a functioning division one football level. So, to your point the the scars and the and the drama that that we wear were tough I'll never forget like um you know we both went to NU High and there were so few and far between like it was it was so awesome to get NU High to win a game on 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 Friday and then get Iowa State to win one of those one o'clock games because that was like the only time like Iowa State fans, meaning me and you, like we could go to the night Northern Iowa football game and kind of hold our head high and, and be happy to be at that game and be not ashamed to be like an Iowa State fan. Those are, those are the type of memories that I have. So to that point, um, you know, it, you are spot on with those beliefs and those feelings.
0: That's perfectly said. I, we, numerous times we would go to the Iowa State 1 o'clock game leave at four because the games didn't take four hours back then we'd be back in cedar falls by six and we'd go to the uni game that started they almost always started at six thirty back then and they were your know, top five in the country almost every single game and and you know a lot of times we'd be coming off a huge loss in Ames, and then we get to come and, and be uni fans as well and, and cheer on UNI, and i who all you know, almost won every single game we did that numerous times
1: Yep. so Yep. absolutely and then like for me even going to like nazareth the our church which at the time was a huge congregation again yep. like we go in there and you didn't go to that church but we're in the hallway and there's like i mean we would get my parents i i mean they're they they don't hold it in even as well as i do but i think that's where some of their angst still comes because they were ripped yep. by iowa and northern iowa fans uh for so, so long.
0: So let's fast forward to college years. You know, Iowa State hires Dan McCartney in, in 1994. Uh, excuse me, 90, the 95 season, excuse me. Uh, they were in those late high school, early college years of ours. Nate's a year behind me. I'm a 96 grad. Nate's a 97 grad from high school. Um, you know, the, the Big 12 is formed. Uh, Iowa State gets, you know, has Troy Davis as the holdover from the, from Jim Walden. And uh, during those early years, it, it, Troy Davis gave Iowa state relevancy, but not wins um Dan McCartney starts his Iowa state career by going three and eight, two and nine, one and ten, and they don't fire him. then he goes three and eight in his fourth year, but they, they end the fifteen game losing streak to Iowa um which is a game I was at uh I sat in the Iowa student section uh, uh player pass section because I had a friend on the Iowa football team and I didn't expect them to win. They were 27 and a half point underdogs, but it became clear that Iowa state was going to win. I wasn't wearing any Iowa state gear. I was trying to be respectful to my friend uh, being in the player pass section. And I sat on my hands the entire game and cause I didn't want to, you know, get my, get beat up. And then they, they win and I jump over the rail and ran onto the field. So that's 1998 and then 99, they go four and seven. So you're talking about five losing years in a row and 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 then Iowa State date goes nine and three in two thousand what what are your memories of those early McCartney years as as we were in 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 college
1: well again things that flash yeah. out I remember probably probably in McCartney's maybe second year and uh, were we playing Wyoming at home and it was the first game of the year, and that was the first year that they they had the the um, overtime playoff. I mean, before it was, if it were, if the score was tied, it was... So just over. to interrupt, so that was the first this year is, we this is like September
0: 7th, 1996. Yeah. This is your senior year of high school. This is my freshman year at Iowa State. They're hosting Wyoming, but I want you to continue with your story.
1: So it's a night game, and I feel like, it, and it might have even been like a Thursday night game or something like that, if I recall. Um, but we were one of like the first, games to play and with the overtime and as fate would have it we uh go to overtime with with wyoming and and mac mac who is unbelievable who is on the mount rushmore of iowa state football and probably i mean deserves all the credit in the world for this modern uh spike that we have but we you know he's trying to get everybody involved and he wins the toss and i'll never forget but but he picks to go in front of uh the student section which he was trying to build up you know i mean that in his defense he was just trying like crazy to get anything going but of course by doing that then what does wyoming do they they choose to uh to go on on defense um <laughs> first so which, which was an unbelievable you know as, as we all know now like that's not really what you, you do but but again that was just kind of typical of and of course, we lose the game. We play really well. I ha- they have some receiver Mar- named Marcus Harris. Harris. And I remember. I remember random name. Marcus, Marcus Harris, who I feel like did not get tackled all game long, but somehow we're in the game, and and unbelievably we we lose again. So that, that I remember that in that area. I remember. I, I want to. I feel like the one in ten year is probably my freshman year, and we are just we are we are absolutely. You know, there was there was there was a flicker of hope with Mac. Uh, even in those first two years, because the energy, the positivity, things that were coming out, it was just, it was, it was different. You could feel it, but all of a sudden I come to campus and now it's like the coolest thing ever. I don't have to go the hour and a half drive through Eldora. I'm here and I get to be there and I get to be there throughout the week. And I'm so excited. The, the, The anticipation of classes the whole week going into game week. And then for us to go one in 10 that year. And is that the year that we just, I feel like there's one year where we tied Baylor and that was, like the highlight of the season and that might have been the second my sophomore year but like it it just there was so much anticipation every week and then you're on iowa state's campus and the the leaves are changing and everything and it's football and and we just could not i mean it it was it was it was a disaster every saturday and and no matter what as you know you and i we were we we knew that we knew the roster inside and out now it's cool we get to stay in the same dorm rooms we see them at the at dinner, we start to – these are some of our peers, some of our friends, and it just uh, really did not happen the first year or two. And yeah. then it, you know, it kind of culminates with us us making it to um, the Insight.com Bowl, and obviously J.J. Moses is a huge part of that. J.J.'s been a friend of mine since sixth grade. He's obviously a local guy for both of us. One thing I will need to, uh, need to point out to you, and I, I don't think we've discussed this, but I was at that Iowa game as well, and, and – the the player you're mentioning I believe was Shane Rundle which is was obviously our our teammate and uh and he was a classmate of mine what what you don't know I was sitting in that same section away from you and what is even more amazing is the night before um I was staying with with Rundle I believe and uh but he took me to the Iowa locker room the night before, and I saw Randy Reiners in the <laughs> locker room the night before all this all this went down. And, I, like, he took me there. Hey, I got to go pick something up real quick. And he takes me there. We go walk in. And, of course, like, I mean, at the end of the day, like, like is a strong word. There is a level of respect that I have for the University of Iowa and football no Iowa doubt. program. I obviously – I was not going to disrespect uh, one of my best friends who was a member of the Iowa football team, but to your point, the elation, the joy, uh, even leading up to that game the night before, the day before, our Iowa peers and friends, I mean, you just, you just wear it and you take it, and for us to, what were we, 28-point underdogs, and then to walk out of that stadium with a victory – is uh, was was unbelievable to to use just a, uh, a well because we didn't
0: know and, and we didn't know off. what that felt like. I mean, I was it was 1998, so I I was 22 years old, and I had been you know six or seven years old the last time Iowa State had won, and and I don't remember that. So we'd never in our life woken up on a Sunday, and been able to realize that iowa state had beaten iowa in football and until you've gone through that you really have no idea what it's like
1: well to your point like that's where the the bowl the bowl the idea of a bowl and the idea of beating iowa were non-existent in our childhood no no such thing until to your point once we got into college and we were undergrads that's when both of those those streaks ended for us and it just kind of set us on a path that obviously leads into what was so when you're in, your, in um, 1997
0: guess, your, your freshman year my sophomore uh year at iowa state in the fall they, they go one and ten they beat uh, baylor that year 24 17 and i remember we were so excited we won a game i was part of a group of people that tore down the goalposts and we carried them and we dumped it in lake laverne and that is because we won one football game and went one and 10 uh the other story
1: Against a team that was a team that Baylor, and I, if I believe, if they had one victory, was that was the most they had as well, too. Yes. And this was like the epitome of the, the bad bull. That was the bulls that we were a part of. And I remember, I think Greg Schoen was defensive player of the week in the Big 12 or something like that. So, I mean, it was just like.
0: I have another story. You know, Greg, we were in a lot of classes with Greg. And we were also in some classes with Doug Densmore. And this story, this is 1999. So this is the year that Iowa State goes four and seven. It's the year before they go nine and three. And they start 1999. Uh, one second. I want to make sure I get this correct. They start 1999 by beating Indiana State. Then they beat Iowa 17 to 10 uh, for the second year in a row. Then, then they go to UNLV. So I go out to to Vegas with my parents. I'm 22 years old. I've never been to Vegas. That's a whole different podcast. But Iowa State plays Sam Boyd Stadium, and they dominate UNLV, and they win 24 to nothing. Well, we were acquaintances, friends with Doug Densmore, and so Iowa State's three and zero. It's literally probably the highlight of my college football life at this point they're three and they're coming off a win versus iowa and you know we're going to a, we get six wins for a bowl game we're going to a bowl game and after the game the players come over and they're like singing the fight song to the visiting or to the iowa state visiting crowd and i'm in the crowd right and densmore comes up and finds me and he says we're three and oh if we beat kansas state next week we're going to be ranked and i remember hearing him say that and be like my goodness he's right that i was so excited and then uh Iowa state lost seven other eight next games and and finished the year uh, four and whatever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other, I mean, what, what people don't also realize you alluded to it earlier. Like, so my recollection of the UNLV game is me listening, like literally intently on my radio because there was no TV. Like to your point, you got to see the Iowa state UNLV game, but there was no, no thought of, the Iowa State UNLV team in 1990 yep. whatever, that year, that, yep. that game was not on TV. There was no chance. So that's why if you hear like people that have such adoration for Pete Taylor and Eric Heff, because they did paint the picture for Iowa State fans for so, so long, and if you didn't see it for your own eyes in person – that was your only avenue. To and the other thing the that I think
0: once. is so important to, to note is back in those days when the big 12 was first formed and the Iowa state started to have a little bit of success in the late nineties and early two thousands. The number one thing that was important to Iowa state having any sort of football success was what year was it? Because in certain years they played Oklahoma and Texas at home uh, and, and, and for two years and then on the road and then for, for two straight years, they would miss Oklahoma and Texas. And you wanted to be good when you didn't have Oklahoma and Texas on the regular season schedule. Because up, they were literally just, when you already had to play Nebraska in the north and Colorado in the north who were pretty good, they were just two automatic losses. You were starting the year 0-2 in those days. And in 2000, when Iowa State went 9-3, and they didn't have Oklahoma and Texas on the schedule, which worked out great for Iowa State. But what really puts this season in perspective is Iowa State goes 8-1 and in, in the Big 12, and they didn't avoid anybody. And uh, people don't remember that about those old Big Twelve days.
1: No, yeah, to your point, yeah, there was that there was that year where it was just a gauntlet, and uh, it was just yeah, you were you were you were playing for the next year. I mean, it just was such a mess, and the gap back then was so unbelievable. I mean, you you bring up Oklahoma and, and Texas, but Nebraska kansas state texas a&m like all those teams were like you know just i mean it's flipped a little the texas techs and the baylors weren't what they were now that back then but so there was somewhat of a relief maybe with those but like those teams just were were the gap was so so what do
0: you remember about the 2002 seneca wallace game at iowa
1: That's the second game that I, uh, that I went to, um, I think I've been to, you know, at that point I had been to four games at, at, uh, Kinnick, at Kinnick. So, uh, and that was my second Iowa State one. Obviously I had gone, um, and saw them win that game, uh, the one that you were at that broke the streak so going back you know you're like God, I, I, there was almost like some feeling of do I ever want to go back in this stadium again because there will be nothing that tops it it's uh it's been my rule when it comes to golf if I ever hit a hole in one I was just <laughs> going to walk off the course and be done so I was nervous just about going back in there because I didn't. I didn't want it to spoil my experience. And to be honest with you, the way it started, one well, was a 24 to 7, I believe, at halftime, and it was definitely trending that that way. Um, this time, I was in the student section of Iowa. I was up towards the top, and uh, it was miserable. It was it was awful. Um, and then obviously, just what happened in the second half and how Seneca took over. It just uh, wow. Wow! 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 I, I I still I don't know if I can put that ahead of the first one just because it, it it broke the streak so long. But if if there's a one and then a one, one A and a one B, then
0: yeah. It, and it, it was amplified because it was a night it was a night game. It, um, Iowa was really good that year. Yeah. Obviously, they went to the Orange Bowl. Uh, Iowa State faded down the stretch um, for various reasons. But I remember being at the game in the second half. Just like I knew I was watching something that was probably very unique and very special, and, like, this doesn't happen. So you're trying to enjoy it, but you're there with some of your Iowa fans, and they're getting really mad and leaving and going home when you've got this big night planned and everything. Uh It was really, really surreal. It was Iowa State's fifth fifth win in a row. Uh And so it's just one of those things I'll never, ever forget.
1: Well, there's also, as you know, too, there's a the little game within the game because for years, like, we had nothing. So Troy Davis was yeah. our – knight in shining armor but as you know Iowa fans they couldn't even give you Troy Davis they would come back at you with oh and all Cedric Shaw's better or Tavy's just no matter what there was just no let up so so the same thing too it was I believe Brad Banks was a quarterback at Iowa at the time too so it was Seneca's getting a little bit of Heisman hype and all this stuff too but no he's not even good Brad Banks is better than him so there's just there was always just that level of, of picking at. So not only did Iowa State prove to win, but then when Seneca outplayed and, and we had that, that was just – there was a, so lot a, of, a lot of after that,
0: hitting. you know, Iowa State, uh, know. they, they uh, – McCarney hangs on for a few years. We've got we've got 4 and oh five 5 where uh, the field goals miss and they don't go to the Big 12 North – or they don't win the Big 12 North and don't go to the Big 12 championship game. Those are two low points. We get in the Gene Chiswick area and, and Paul Rhodes – but essentially, at this time, our lives, obviously we, we have jobs. We start to get families, things like that. And we kind of go our own separate ways. We don't get to go to every single game. You're bouncing around the country, coach of basketball. I'm doing the same from, from 09 to, to 2017. I, w- I was at UNI coaching. Um, you have been everywhere as well. And so the in-person connection to Iowa State football uh, changes a lot. And we end up just consuming it. As, as our schedules allow uh, via TV and, and other things like that. So what I want to transition to next as we finish up is just right now. In 2016, Iowa State hires Matt Campbell. Um, one of the things I remember about that is I have a friend who knows a lot about college football and basically said that that time the transition from Mac head coaches to Power 5 jobs wasn't working out a lot there was the Tim Beckman's of the world and those types of coaches who hadn't gone directly from a Mac school to a power five school. And that presented some doubt. Obviously Campbell has shred that as a lot of, as a lot of people have. Um, what were your thoughts about the end of the Paul Rhodes era into Matt Campbell? Take that however you want to go.
1: Well, to your point, yes, obviously we grow away. I'm living in Mississippi. Your yep. life, life happens. So I, uh, you know, then I'm fortunate to be an assistant uh, yep. for Iowa State for the basketball team. So, obviously, now I'm being employed by Iowa State. So, obviously, the love, nothing changes. But then, you know, the access that I probably am getting is, is pretty, pretty cool, too. Just to
0: everybody knows and, what years. You... Uh, what years? Oh, it,
1: was, it was Fred's last two years here. So, we're talking 2000, probably 14 yep. and 15-ish. So Iowa yes. State is rolling uh, in basketball. Football is yes. pretty much the same. And to be honest with you, Fred and myself are yes. two huge Iowa State football fans. And even on our staff, we had Iowa State basketball guys, but we were getting some ribbing within our, within our coaching staff about Iowa State football, which, which was tough for Fred and I. And to be honest with you, it was kind of probably Correct. more what we had been accustomed yeah. to. Um, but then, as I go on to the Bulls, I, the one thing that I would bring up is it just felt like it came full circle. As you know, like now I have this access and Matt Campbell is the head coach. And I went to the first practices for Campbell because I was coming back for the Iowa state basketball reunions when I was in Chicago. But then I also developed a relationship where I got on field passes and I'll never forget, uh, getting to share one of those passes with you and, (laughs) You know, here are two guys that have been full circle and we are getting to stand on the sideline, watch a game. And, and, and no one really, no one but you and I can really replace that feeling. And I, I, I don't even know who we were playing, who it was. It didn't matter, but I, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but just the flood of emotions from sitting in the stand, seeing where our seats are at, you know, going back to the turf that was so hard and, the colors of our teams Ugh. as far as their uniforms and all that, and now getting Ugh. to be on the grass, getting to be on the same sideline, essentially getting to see all of it, just, just seeing the South end zone, like all the parts going through, like, as you know, like the Olsen <laughs> building, we would go get the football that banged around. On, we like, used to try and catch, the, uh,
0: we used to try and catch the, 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 the long the field goals when, when the, when,
1: we used to do that. We used. They used to put the, the the pads underneath those 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 bleachers. Like you would see the tackling dummies, like clear as day. They were just underneath the bleachers because there. That was the Olson building days. They didn't have room in there. There was no Bergstrom. There was no Jacobson. There was no nothing. So like. Well, just, just to, to
0: bring it full circle, in, in those years you know, referenced like- 2014 and 15, Iowa State goes 2 and 10. In 2014, they opened the season by losing to North Dakota State, who obviously was really good. And in 2015, they go three and nine, and they lose at Toledo, ironically to Matt Campbell. And during those years, you're obviously at a lot of games, but you're in there in a different capacity. You're wearing Iowa State gear, you're cheering for Iowa State, but you're also an employee, so you're not out there tailgating doing crazy stuff. You're not—I mean, you're there as for work essentially, but you've got this access. And then you and I. Uh, we go to the game in 2017 to open the season. That's the year Iowa State you know, wins at Oklahoma. They end up going to the Liberty Bowl, uh, which I went to, and you're at the Bulls at this time, and that has started the first of, of four straight. Pretty good, really good seasons for Matt Campbell and Iowa State. But those those 14 and 15 seasons, like you said, you and Fred are lifelong Iowa State football fans, and other people on your staff are, are really just Iowa State basketball fans and employees. Didn't quite get the depth of the misery that you and Fred were going through as they were losing all those games. Well, and that's, I
1: mean, that was, you know, it, you're obviously in the moment 100%. Yeah. You're, at, you're at the highest of the highest power 5 like it's at a different level. So your basketball you've got recruits, you've got your players, you have got all that. But what happens is like once the game starts, you know, your players are kind of with the recruits and everybody's kind of locked in. So there was that moment of getting to I don't know, you know, just let your hair down a little bit. And then yeah. when it, the game doesn't go well, like it did with her friend and I, then then again now we're we're almost Feeling the same water cooler even in our own building for some of the other assistants because I'll never forget Michael Byers who's still our director of operations. I'd have him, you know, he would put in his his room, uh, in his in his office like the schedule because obviously it was just set up recruiting and as the the games go on, you know, you're moving into playing your own season. But I would every year I would go into his office and I would put up you know win win loss. I mean, and there was never a time it was below like ten wins. So sure enough, like after the first or second game, like it was just a, a barrage of, of, of jokes and fun mannered. And, and Fred's an eternal optimist as well. So like, I don't know, it was just hard to explain, but yet it was so familiar because I had been like, oh man, I went away from Mississippi and now we're winning bowl games and we're going away. And there was, there was, you know, the missed kick to your point, but geez, that was even to be in that position is something you never thought. Now all of a sudden I'm moving back to Iowa and I'm like, this is a little too familiar because my parents are talking about all these great wins. And I felt like once again, I was the curse and it just, uh just wasn't good. And now to see where we've come now in these last three or four years, it's just, it's uh this is a side joke, but like, as you know, you and I had always hoped for yeah. the all blue yes. uniforms and, there was that there was that time when mac brought in the navy blue and all that and say what you want about the logo and the color scheme and all that but like we had no tradition we had nothing so the idea of having the the nebraska n or the texas longhorn like whatever let's just let's let's do something to make it look cool and all we came up with was a new logo maybe the face mask would be a different color but i'm like you and i and i would always talk about like forget it let's just throw out let's go all blue and let's let's set the world on on fire and of course they never did it but to see the black on black and and to see the record and to see all that and for us to be known as a winning program now is is just
0: a. Just a I just agree cool to, 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 to finish up here I'm going to answer my own question before I ask you but the, the question essentially is going to be what do you see in Matt Campbell's teams that we didn't get to see in the 80s and 90s and my answer to that is it started to hit me when their ability to to essentially not get blown out on the road. You know, Iowa State has won a lot of upsets over the years, even uh, road upsets. I mean, heck, they won in Oklahoma with Chris Peterson back in whatever year that was, 91, 89, something like that. And But a majority of the games when Iowa State played on the road, it was a slaughter. They would get beat 45 to 3. And what I first quickly noticed about Campbell's teams is when they lost on the road, it was 21 to 13. It was 28 to 21. They were never getting blown out. And that was a huge step in the in ability to to beat uh, to follow up upsets of top five teams with more wins instead of just falling off. And the consistency of the performance is really what I've noticed the last four years with his teams. What have you noticed?
1: great question i think you know obviously there's that element but i think the one thing and and you know from day one matt campbell has not seen Iowa state as anything other than the best job yeah. for him for his staff for what they're trying to do and he's never he's never to his credit he's, he doesn't have the scars that you and i have you know he's gone toe-to-toe and said this is our program this is how we're going to do things he's believed in it he's recruited at a high high level i mean that's the biggest thing that i've seen i still don't go to get get to go to many games but like our d backs are not like five six five seven they're like they're 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 eye to eye our receivers the six six receivers the the size our d linemen are are not true freshmen you know they're they're like they're men And um, just the talent gap first and foremost, I think, you know, it's cliche-ish, but there has, and I, and I got wind of it. It's been a player's first program. And sometimes people hear that and they think that it's soft or not accountable on it. There's been no, I I don't hear that whatsoever. It is just about um, empowering the players, um, coaching the, the individuals, making them more than, than just players like the whole student athlete experience just like the relationships all that and you just you know it's not lip service and and the one thing that the consistency that Matt Campbell has shown in his vision and his his ability to connect with their whether it's with the staff or his players you know I I read a thing I think you sent it to me just like Campbell's ability to to self-assess too and see that hey we've been great in October, November, and then we lose it or towards the end of the year and him even being able to, to back off a little bit, which is what he's done this year and and see how his team is fresh. Like, and we're both in the coaching profession. So we understand that it's easy to be stuck in our ways, but for him to be able to recognize what the times are and, and everybody has an opinion and everybody, can you imagine? And I know this because I get it from my parents to an extent. You might too. like, people think it's like, just like Iowa state fans are the best. And we all know that, but there's such an opinion too. Like, cause I've seen it. Cause I've worked for head coaches for Iowa state. Like there's been backlash for sure that Matt Campbell's got for, ch- for wearing black oh, no. uniforms and for changing things up and for him to know that this is what's best for his players. And for like, is that, is that really that big a deal in the grand scheme? No, but if it helps the players and it helps the program and now, ultimately do we want to be known as as what our colors are or do we want to be known as a winning program and the way he's gone about his habits and stay diligent to that path has just been a remarkable thing for me to see from afar have a few bit of information of how he treats people and how he interacts um and it's just it's it's cool to see that the fruits of his labor and his vision and his ability to not be discouraged um, so it is just cool to see uh, it's funny I, that I you bring up the word stars would be
0: my final thought uh was earlier this week before uh, the uh west virginia game there were like you know all these things that needed to happen to keep keep iowa state out of the big 12 championship uh, game they had to lose to west virginia and there were seven or eight other things that had to happen and as somebody who's gone through what we've gone through in our time on this earth I started to play out, well, if this happens and this happens, and it includes a Kansas win over Texas, but what happens if that game gets canceled due to COVID? That almost is just like a Kansas win. And I started going down this this dark path, and I had to catch myself. And I said, that's that's not how Matt Campbell thinks. That's not how this version of the Iowa State program operates. And that kind of came to fruition on Saturday. Um, obviously, we know what McCartney did for this program. None of this will be possible without – the groundwork and the foundation that he laid but um, teams back then probably lay an egg on the stage against West Virginia and that's the opposite of what Iowa State did on Saturday and uh, I think that was really cool to see so um, take us out with your favorite line from the Dan McCartney show <laughs>
1: we'll be back with a player in a